Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Episode 177 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. All right, time for the closing arguments. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. Welcome to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Hahn. Thank you for liking, rating, reviewing, subscribing, and telling your friends about our podcast, which continues to grow every week. I got a great guest in a little while, Sarah Burris from Raw Story. We'll talk about everything going on in the election, particularly what are young voters doing. Um, And I'm going to make my closing arguments and my closing pitch right now about what I think is going to happen. I mean, next time I broadcast this podcast will be on Tuesday, which is election day. So, uh, I mean, is this the last podcast before election day? For most of you, yes, because you probably will have voted. And then on your way home, you might be listening to the Aggressive Progressive podcast on Tuesday of next week. So next week will be a podcast that won't include uh, the election. (laughs) <laughs> and the funny thing is, is I've got a pollster coming on my radio show on on uh, Thursday night that I usually use the radio interview on in my podcast, but I don't know if I'm going to. We Maybe. Maybe I will. Uh, Mike Duizia, a good friend of mine, who about three weeks ago told me that it's going to be a blue wave. And Mike Duiziak is a Republican pollster. Now, I don't know if he still feels that way. Three weeks ago, maybe it was four weeks ago when I saw him, the tide had yet to turn in favor of the GOP the way some people predict it has now. Now, I got to tell you, I'm looking around the country and I see a lot of toss-ups in a year that they should be dominating. What that suggests to me is that there are a lot of people who are in a sour mood on the economy and the way the country's going right now, but they don't want to go hand over the keys to the kingdom to people who supported an insurrection. I I don't know. Call me crazy. Uh, Look, the Republicans have kept Donald Trump largely on the sideline for the last six weeks or so. That has been to their benefit. He is going to be campaigning over the weekend, uh, and we'll see if that has any impact on the final results. I think Donald Trump only hurts Republicans at this point. People who like Donald Trump are coming out to vote Republican. They are all enthused. They think that Joe Biden stole the election. They want to impeach him. They want to put people in power that are going to do that, which is a major overreach, which will cause their demise in 2024. But I'm not going to go there yet. But that said, I'm looking at a state like Wisconsin at a candidate like Mandela Barnes. And I talked to Sarah about this later in the broadcast. Mandela Barnes should be getting a large percentage of the youth vote. Let's face it, he is pretty young himself. He's running for Senate against Ron Johnson, who I don't know how Wisconsin keeps sending that embarrassment back to the Senate. 
Now, we've heard over and over again, quietly, I should say, uh, but we've heard it. It's been said that voter registration among women and young people is through the roof the last six months. The question is, since since Dobbs, since Roe v. Wade was overturned, the question is, are they going to show up and vote Democratic on Election Day? There's rumors that the GOP has made inroads among young people. Look, young people were never a monolith. They didn't always vote Democratic. They just broke maybe six and a half to three and a half for Democrats, sometimes six to four. In a good year, Republicans might get 30, you know, 45 percent of people under the age of 30. I find it hard to believe that women under the age of 30 who are the predominant new registrants since Roe v. Wade was overturned are registering and coming out to vote for the people who overturned it. I don't think that that registration was a, yeah, we like what you did, Supreme Court. We're going to come out and do that. So I think, and I've said this before, that the pollsters could be missing new registrants and an increase in women voters under under the age, I would say, of 40, much in the same way that the pollsters underestimated the turnout among white working-class men in 2016. Single women under the age of 30 are among the lowest propensity voters. But the anger in this country about Dobbs is being held by single women under the age of 30. The question is, are they going to show up? Because if they show up in significant numbers, and there's data to suggest that they are showing up, at least in early voting, in larger numbers than we've seen before, I think that these 50-50 states that everybody thinks going to trend towards Republican are going to surprise some people. And I think that Wisconsin is a prime place to surprise They've got a good Democratic organization in Wisconsin, even though I have not been able to get them on the show. I have tried. I will try again. Uh, They have a good Democratic organization. They've got a good, strong governor at the top of the ticket, which appears, who appears, to be in the driver's seat for re-election. And Mandela Barnes is a pretty good candidate. Smart, good, you know, good on the stump should be appealing to young voters. So we shall see what, and look, Ron Johnson is is a a, a thoroughly unlikable human being. There's nothing to like about Ron Johnson and, you know, his ties to Putin. I mean, I don't know why the whole campaign isn't Ron Johnson spent the 4th of July with Vladimir Putin. I mean, that to me, I I mean, who goes to Russia on the 4th of July? I, I don't I don't understand that. What United States senator from a state like Wisconsin, like why aren't you spending it in Milwaukee or Green Bay or Madison where they hate you? <laughs> You're going to spend it in Moscow because Putin called? That could be a prime pickup for Democrats. Now, look, I don't know if I said it on this show last week. I guess I didn't. I actually said I thought it would be political malpractice for the Democrats for, for the Fetterman campaign to put him out on the debate stage if he was not ready to debate. And I thought he would clear the very low expectations he and his campaign and the rest of the world set for him. He had a stroke three or four months ago. He did not clear that bar, but he's still going to win. And let me tell you why. Josh Shapiro is going to win by a significant margin over Doug Mastriano and people don't split their tickets anymore. 
there will be some significant drop-off for Fetterman, but he is going to win a very tight race in Pennsylvania. There will be a runoff in all likelihood in the great state of Georgia between Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock. And Herschel Walker's biggest problem is that he won't have Governor Kemp pulling people out for him. He's going to benefit in the same way Fetterman's going to benefit in, in Pennsylvania. People, you know, it, it appears that that Kemp is going to sail to victory in Georgia. Uh, I think um, I think we put up a great candidate in Tracy Abrams. I, I think she should be winning. I think she'd be a great governor. Um, but it's hard to penetrate that veil of legitimacy that Kemp gave himself by standing up to Trump. And even though everything he's done since then has been to try to bring back those Trump voters to his camp, he can claim to those low information voters in the middle who may not like Trump that, look, I stood up to Trump. And he did stand up to Trump. It's a true argument. Um, I think Tracy uh, Abrams would be a much better governor and would do great things for the great state of Georgia. But for the same reasons... Fetterman's going to get pulled over the line by Shapiro. Walker is going to get pulled into a runoff with Raphael Warnock. And that means the balance of power in the Senate will not be will not be known for a couple more weeks. Or maybe not. Uh, if Mandela Barnes pulls it out in Wisconsin, if Fetterman pulls it out in Pennsylvania, if the Democrats hold on to all their other seats, which I think they will... I think they are going to be razor thin, but I think Kelly holds on. I think we hold on in Nevada and New Mexico. There is a chance the Democrats pick up the great state of North Carolina. That is a very tough, tight race. Look, North Carolina has been a state that's trended purple the last, you know, 10 years or so, since 2008. Um, They've got a great candidate running in North Carolina, Sherry Beasley. Um, she should win. But the one question is, North Carolina has made it very hard for young people to vote. Now, look, the state is completely gerrymandered to the point where the Democrats could win, you know, 55, 60% of the vote in state legislative races and still have the minority in the legislature. Not even, not even a big minority, a small minority. It is, it is gerrymandered beyond recognition. It is a ridiculously gerrymandered state. It is, for all intent and purposes, a 50-50 state. There is a Democratic governor there in Roy Cooper. And the Democrats have won statewide there several times since 2008. And I think it is possible, and this is one of them, Sherry Beasley has won, state, has won statewide. She, uh, it is very possible that she wins election. It's going to be tight. The question for me is turnout and are people even able to make it to the polls to actually perform the vote? Because North Carolina, you know, has some of the most restrictive voting laws in in the world. So we'll see. I mean, I think Republicans are banking on some sort of shellacking. Uh, They're not going to have a shellacking. At most, they're going to pick up the House based on gerrymandering alone. Maybe he will have a 10-seat majority in the House. 15 is probably the most he could ask for. This is not a 60-seat drubbing. This is maybe a 25-seat swing in the House, 15 of which 
are gerrymandering alone. Uh, the Senate is still up for grabs. And I think that the Democrats have a very good chance to hold on to the Senate. And we'll see. So, look, uh, and I'll say this after I, uh, you know, I'll come back after my interview with, uh, with, with, with my good friend Sarah Burris to give you one more pep talk for the election. But if you're not out there working it, start now. Every vote counts, especially in the swing states. Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, uh, Nevada, New Mexico, Arizona. We have a chance to defy history. Let's do it. All right, I got Sarah Burris joining me on the other side. And uh, stick around, listen to this, and I'll be right back. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet with faster speeds rolling out every day and internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. So while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Sarah Burris is a friend of the show, a friend of mine. And the, I, what do we call you? The editor of Raw Story? The chief cook and bottle washer? What's the title <laughs> over there? I am definitely the chief bottle washer. <laughs> but um, not the cook. But I'm a, senior ed- I'm a senior editor at Raw Story. She's a senior editor at Raw Story. There you go. See, I see how professional I am. I, I should have been writing this down before I got on here. You would think after eleven years on the radio, uh, hosting my own program, I would write down the uh, credentials of my of, of my guest. But you know, I used to do a rundown, and then this guy named Donald Trump came along, and I just have to throw my rundown out every night. And now I don't even do a rundown anymore. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm good. I'm awesome. It's fall. The trees are beautiful, and the weather isn't hot and humid and miserable anymore, so I'm I, very happy. I love it. I love it. Me too. I'm a fall guy. I like I like being outside. I like being able to run in the cool and not die. Uh, it's fantastic. So watch any uh, interesting debates lately, Sarah? <laughs> I feel like all of the debates have been interesting in their own way. I, as you might know, am partial to Oklahoma, where the governor... Um, apparently didn't even know what the crime rate was in his own state. Yes. And whenever he was confronted with it, had like a little bit of a meltdown. Yeah. Like they, Uh, I think she made an excellent point, which I think Democrats should be making all over the country. I mean, the crime rate is higher in red states than it is in blue states, including in Oklahoma. It is. Uh, Why? And, and that was her comment, which was so interesting is she said, you know, the crime rate is actually larger in Oklahoma than it is in New York and California. And he just like started laughing and waving his arms around it. And he's like, oh, come on, guys. Did you hear her? She says the crime rate is higher in the in New York and California. Well, what he said was what he said was actually instructive. He said, come on, guys. Do you think there is more crime in Oklahoma than there is in California? And in politics, the whole audience said yes wow yes yeah but in politics it is what you think not what is actual that matters right and that's that's the problem with politics that's the problem with democrats democrats like to fall back on stats and facts and figures and republicans like to fall back on feelings (laughs) and it's and feelings win and what's funny though is their their feelings 
um, are not necessarily indicative of the actual feelings of the country. Yeah. And that's basically what happened. I mean, my, my thing is that, that I have always told candidates is whatever you do, never, ever ask the audience a question because they will answer it. Let me ask you something. Do you think and, she's got a chance? Because I've seen, you know, polls that suggest she might be within striking distance of winning that race. So I initially did not think so. But then I talked to a friend of mine who worked for the teachers union and a ton of the teachers who are are sadly mostly Republican in Oklahoma, she's managed to be able to flip them. Mm. So she's flipping Republicans like crazy. And usually you hear stories about that. Like Joe, my buddy Joe Dorman, who ran a couple years ago, was able to move the needle, I think, one percentage point compared to um, what Jerry Askins did when she ran in 2010. Right. And I think he spent like maybe 30% more doing it. So he basically got, you know, one percentage point for, for significantly more money. Hmm. And, um, but I think what is different here is, um, it's kind of that moment again in the debate where in, in, and another point, um, he kept trying to associate her, uh, you know, with Joe Biden, she's a Joe Biden Democrat. Well, the thing about Hoffmeister is she was a Republican who changed parties. Mm. And so she basically just came back with, look, man, clearly I don't have an allegiance to a party, which, again, the whole audience laughed at him. Yeah. Because, again, she really doesn't because she quit the Republican Party to run against him. Well, that's a that's an interesting. So, so that's an interesting race to watch on election night. Maybe it's a sleeper. Who knows? I mean, I it would be it would be a shocking development if if the Democrats took Oklahoma's governor's mansion. Uh, I mean, I, when's the last time I that's happened? Say, like, here's an important point, though. I don't think that that is indicative of the rest of the country necessarily. I think I think that that is one of just the weirdest things that sort of you know just happened in this particular area. When you look at people like you know Herschel Walker, I don't know, man. I really don't know. I, I don't understand how anybody could say Herschel Walker won that dis- debate. If I had pulled out. My, you know, my nephew's toy police badge in a debate, people would say I was insane for doing that. And, and that to me was a moment of insanity. A man who was clearly not right. And I wonder how much people are feeling bad for him. Um, I also am curious because impersonating an officer is actually a crime. Absolutely. Um, so I'm kind of like, dude, I'd be really careful where you do that. Um, but the thing about Georgia that I've been watching is their, um, their early voting numbers are really interesting. They're high. When you compare early voting in 22 to 18, it is significantly higher. I hope that bodes well for Democrats and that Republicans just didn't, just didn't decide, okay, this year we're going to early vote, you know? Right. I mean, that was the thing though, is that immediately my first thought is crap. We've lost this thing. And, but when I saw the early voting numbers being close to like the 2022 level, and after you know Trump has spent years telling people whatever you do during an early vote, right? Like, Boy, yeah, it is. It this would might be, be a thing. It could be. It could be interesting because early vote numbers are up all over the country, and I don't know if mm-hmm. that's because you know maybe he hasn't talked as much about it the last year and a half, and Republicans said, "Ah, eh, it's easier. It's more convenient. Maybe I'll just vote now." It's about ten days to the election now. Um, 
you know, the polls seem to be trending in Republicans direction, but I feel like the bleeding has stopped. And you seem to think that there are some voters that are being undercounted in some of these polls. Uh, Tell me what you're hearing about young voters. So years and years I've been following young voters and I am a proud millennial, um, not just because the name, but actual age. And what is different in millennials versus Gen Z is you still have that sort of um, dedication to community and um, desperation to save the world that millennials have in Gen Z, but they are so mobilized um, far more than I feel like uh, we were able to be even after Barack Obama kind of brought us into the process in 2008. And um, what you, what you're seeing in a lot of the polls is when somebody does a poll, they're polling people either um, via home phone or cell phone. Right. right? Uh, Thank God they're finally doing cell phones. But think about the kind of people who answer a cell phone call. If you're under 30 years old, hell, I don't even answer my cell phone anymore. I barely answer my cell phone. No, yeah, like if you're going to call somebody, like who does that? My mom does that. And by the way, I'm a Gen Xer. I'm a Gen Xer and, uh, you know, thanks. Right? Yep. So, so, and it's like nobody does that. And so if you are somebody who is under 30 years old, under 35 years old even, and you're answering your phone because you want to be polled, that is a very special person. Yeah. Right? Like that is not your normal voter. Yeah. And you've got, I mean, they're already saying that the, the voter registration among those under 30 is unbelievable. It's just awesome. And they are predominantly, and it's being dominated by women under 30. Yes. And so if you are a, a pissed off voter who is voting for the first time, you're under 30 years old and you're a female, my guess is that you're not doing it because you think Herschel Walker is attractive. Right. It's because of abortion. Right. My, my theory and, has been... Sarah, that much like we missed the surge in white working class voters in 2016, there was a surge among them, particularly white men. I think we're missing the surge of young female voters in 2022. That's what I think. I think the polling data is missing that. And there's no model for that because they weren't registered to vote before. Right. They're not answering their phones whenever pollsters are going to call them even if they did have them on their list. Like, that's the thing, too, is that if you're a new voter, you're not in a polling list. No. You're not in the voter file yet. No. Because they haven't been updated. And then once they are updated, they've, you know, like most of these people have already purchased the, the access to the voter file to get the list to call for polling. Well, pollsters are always so, fighting the last war, too, right? So they make yeah. up their data, like they make up their their model of how many like you know people under the age of 30 thing. people over the age of 40 based on the right. last elections turnout so exactly. the turnout models that's why the turnout models were wrong in 2016 that's why they were a little less wrong in 2020 but they were wrong and and they probably mm-hmm. are wrong this year and 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 given that the polls are so tight a one or two percent error in polling right now could mean the difference between the Democrats holding the Senate, maybe even holding the House, which I, I don't think they're going to hold the House. Um, but who knows? Yeah, if we held the House, then that would mean, you know, Republicans really screwed up um, because they have gerrymandered things from here to next Tuesday. Right. So it's, you know, 
it's kind of hard to lose. Like you have to work really hard. Gerrymandering is a hell of a drug. It really is. And, and Republicans are addicted to it and Democrats don't know how to fix it. They don't know how to get the country off gerrymandering. It's horrible. It's stupid. It's like choosing your voters instead of voters choosing their people. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's undemocratic in my opinion, but let's keep going on this topic of young voters. So you've been looking into some data, you've been talking to people and you really feel that there's a surge coming. I think so. The problem is, is that I don't know necessarily where that's going to be, right? I mean, obviously college towns, obviously, um, you know, if you have really engaged high school students, then they're going to be doing that, but that's all over the place. So, you know, who is, what races are doing any kind of outreach to young people? I mean, you've got Wes Moore in, in Maryland, who's doing incredible young voter outreach, but Wes Moore is probably going to win. Right. And, He's been recruiting college students from the very beginning because he's a young, cool, hip dude. Right. Um, but when you're talking about people like, you know, I don't know, um, maybe Mandela Barnes is doing it. Yeah, that was my my question was uh, going to be why, you know, like it seems like Mandela Barnes would be the perfect candidate to be doing young voter outreach. I mean, I don't even think he's 35. Yeah. And and he's running against one of the biggest idiots in the Senate. Like, you know, it's like a young, cool, hip guy versus grandpa, you know, you know, you know. Yeah. I, I don't want to say anything bad about Ron Johnson that I haven't already said. I don't want to repeat myself because I'm constantly berating Ron Johnson on this radio program. But like you would think that he'd be out there in Madison, Wisconsin, one of the most liberal towns in the world to, you know, which, by the way, this radio show is on. Uh, you'd think he'd be out there you know, pushing those, those students to come out and vote. I hope so. I mean, that's the thing is, I don't know what the extent and what, what they're doing there. Cause nobody really, that's something that they talk about when they do interviews and stuff. They're talking about issues. They're talking about, um, please. Yeah. They don't want to talk about vote. their political strategy and where they're going. I mean, we do right. know Republicans are investing, you know, in brick and mortar headquarters to try to attract, mm-hmm black and Latino voters to the GOP side. And I think it's been effective, frankly. Uh, And I'm concerned. Look, I know it was effective in Florida in 2016. Um, There's no way, you know, and and it was effective in Florida in 2020 that they're expanding that program to other states. I I worry about that program because I don't think the Democrats have, I think the Democrats have taken black and Latino voters for granted for far too long. I think particularly Latino voters uh, there are things that would attract them to the GOP, especially, you know, uh, strict Catholics. Uh, and I'm, I, I am concerned about that. Absolutely. Um, and I do think that when it comes particularly to Latino voters, um, I feel like we had the edge for a while. We had some incredible organizing going on on the ground in Arizona um, that should be replicated. Uh, and it's mostly volunteer driven. And it was young people driven where they were doing registration drives from Spanish speaking people to Spanish speaking people. They were doing, um, you know, ballot pickups and all of the things that I'm sure Republicans have made illegal now. Yeah. Um, but those are the kinds of things that um, Democrats should be doing. And it doesn't necessarily take a brick and mortar place to do it. No. But it's the kind of investment that you have to make, and you can't do it with a commercial. That's the thing that I feel like is so old school about Democrats yeah. and campaigns is they really want to do everything on radio and TV. And it's like, dude, you really, like, have you not learned anything from Barack Obama? Nothing. Knock the door. No, you got to get out Just there and meet them. Knock the door. It's right. worth it. Let me ask you about Arizona, you know, while we're, while, you know, since you brought it up. 
I I have <laughs> openly called for Katie Hobbs to debate Carrie Lake. I get it. Carrie Lake's a liar. She's a professional television performer, but she is the Republican nominee for governor. She was duly nominated, and that's who they have to choose from. And I think that her failure to debate is going to cost her the election. Um, I don't know what you've been writing about it. I, I haven't seen anything. I don't know what you've been hearing from people in Arizona, uh, but I think it's a big mistake. So I definitely think it's a big mistake, but I don't know that it's necessarily going to matter because the kind of people who make decisions off of the debate, again, it's so few and far between. Um, there's all kinds of polling about um, Pennsylvania and Ohio in particular about people who made their mind up based on the debate. And it's such a low percentage. Like, it's it's definitely under 20%. Well, 20% would be a huge deal, right? I mean, yeah, it would be. In, in, a, in a, you know, in a 50-50 state like Arizona or, a, you know, a 45-55 state like Ohio, I mean, you get 20% to change their mind in a debate. That's a pretty big number. I, I thought what you were going to say was like 2%. Actually, I thought it was 2%, but I was scared that I was lowballing it. So I kind of just was like, I'm going to cover my ass. Oh, yeah. yeah well, um, well, you're talking to a guy who's like a numbers guy, right? I, I, I to me, 2%, 20% is a lot. I mean, you can get 20%. To, I thought to, that I had heard that it was 1%, 1.8%, but that seemed so low to me that it seemed irrational, and I haven't double-checked it. That's one of the reasons that I didn't want to say it out loud. Yeah, like the gubernatorial uh, debate here in New York happened the other day, and there are 20 million people in New York. And they say only 200,000 people saw the debate, which is a big number in cable these days in one state. But it's it's uh, 200,000 people in a state of 20 million, about, uh, you know, 13 million eligible voters. And uh, that's that's pretty crazy, if you ask me. But this is the other thing, too, is think about how low the turnout, you know, the the viewership is of all of these debates. Right. And then think about. How many people, you know, if that's 20% of 20% of those people or 1.8% of those people who watch the debate change their minds, then again, what's the, why are we even doing these? Right, right. What do you think, you know, I mean, I talked about the Fetterman debate a little bit uh, earlier in the show before I took you on and I talked about it on TV last night. I, I think it was political malpractice for him to go out there in that condition, frankly, but I also think he's still going to win. Because I think Shapiro is going to carry him over the finish line because people don't really split their votes anymore. I mean, what are your your thoughts on that? I do think that he's going to win. Um, I do think it's going to be by the skin of his teeth. Um, and I I wonder what the hell happened and what were they thinking? Uh, yeah. I mean, um, what were they thinking? <laughs> I, and I don't What's crazy, too, is you watch him in that that NBC interview and he's reading this stuff and he was so organized the way that he was reading it and right. responding to her. And I'm, I'm like, you know, why, why is it that he could do it there, but he couldn't do it at the podium. I think it was a more you controlled know, was, environment, was right? I think it was a more controlled environment of an environment. He was relaxed in. It's hard return. Look, he, he had a major yeah. stroke. I, he's made a lot of progress and I think he'll continue to make progress if he's not there yet. And two, I mean, think about like your entire Perceiving your entire political career is resting on the next 60 minutes of your life. Yeah. And you're going in front of a crowd full of people like that added stress. It, it, if you've already got like it, it was a it was a with your hearing very bad decision by that campaign. Sarah Kanye. I mean, it's <laughs> we are way past touch the sky, which was, you know, I loved that song. 
And I'm never going to listen to it again now. Uh, the man is an anti-Semitic pig. Um, what's your, what do you make of, of this? And by the way, this isn't new. Like we, we've known this for a while and yet we tolerated it and now it's come to a head. And why do you think now we're just, everybody's just done with them? Oh, it's even worse too. Like there was a story today about his, um, one of his executives came out and were, and like told all, um, and, and the worst part of it is the executive said that TMZ, knew about it and had been actively covering up and, you know, covering for him and making wow. sure that none of that kind of stuff was reported. Why do you think they would um, do that? But Because it's TMZ. It's not news. Right. It's business. Right. I they mean, didn't, so they didn't want to talk about a big hot topic. You know, they wanted to talk about yeah. like what he's wearing. Plus too, he's all in with, with the MAGA crowd and the head of, the owner of TMZ is a BFF of Donald Trump. I had no idea. This is not. Oh God, yes. TMZ is so Republican. Not that the people who work there are, but the dude who owns it, like they will never post anything positive about um, Joe Biden, for example. Wow. But, um, well, well, people who are getting their news from TMZ nothing. have all sorts of problems to begin with. I just want to say. I mean, you know. That is true. That is very true. Do not get your news. No. I mean, you can get your celebrity goss, your hot goss there, but, you know, don't get your news, like your hard news there. Um, what else do you know about this Kanye thing? What What else do you want to say about this? Um, I have heard sources have told me that Pete Davidson is taking over all of his contracts. Hey, nice. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, that is my Kanye joke of the day is that Adidas is... Uh, has um, hired Pete Davidson. It would be kind of funny if, if Pete Davidson winds up on an Adidas right. commercial or designing a shoe for Adidas. I think it'd be I think it'd be hilarious to do that. All right, one last topic. To show you how like no, go ahead. ridiculously lame I am. I didn't know that the what the shoes looked like. So I saw the the shoes today for the first time. The Yeezy shoes. Yeah. And I swear to God, it's like a croc got stuck in a. Vitamix. <laughs> I never saw the shoes either, frankly. I didn't even know he had a contract with, with Adidas, but I'm a Gen Xer. You're a millennial. You're supposed to know you're supposed to know these things. So one last topic. I don't like to wear shoes. Like I'm a hippie, right? Oh, there you go. So. Bare feet, which is always good. You know, but uh but one last topic. Something you could do in your bare feet is be on Twitter. And it appears that Elon Musk's deal with Twitter is going through and he will be the owner of Twitter probably within the next 48 hours. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Well, true story, what I have heard is that he's going to fire or he's going to lay off like a thousand people and he wants to completely streamline it and make it just a shadow um, company that um, just is a free-for-all. I think it's, he will very quickly find out how badly he can screw this company up and I feel really bad for anybody who has, you know, like shareholders or anybody on that board because they're about to face off again. Wait, now, are you shocked that I'm a little shocked that there are a thousand people that work at Twitter? I don't know what they would possibly be doing all day and all night. Coding. What? Coding? They're probably, co- they're probably coding. Yeah. I, These I, are probably coders. I, that's amazing that it would take that many people. I, I just, I, you know, I mean, to me, Twitter... It doesn't seem like there's anything to it. And I don't even understand how Twitter makes any money. I, you know, I never see any ads on Twitter that I'm aware of. Um, maybe that's the point. Um, and, and it's, it's interesting. I, I'm hopeful that 
the guy's going to give us an edit button, button frankly, because I have, quite frankly, if the man could put people in space and create electric cars, maybe he'd give me an edit button. Uh, I, 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 I mean, I get it. He's probably going to allow, allow a lot of these MAGA crazies like the former president back on Twitter. Uh, but I don't know that that changes what I do on Twitter. Right. And my favorite piece of it um, is that he put in his his bio on um, Twitter. Uh, he put his he just put. Uh, what was it? Chief Twit <laughs> is what he called himself. And I was like, well, there you go. Well, it, exactly what you can at least use to predict the future. At least he's being honest. All right, Sarah, this went by way too quick. Uh, I want everybody to follow you on Twitter. Where can they follow you? At Sarah Burris. On Twitter. And of course, read her, in, Ro- read her in Raw Story. She is the senior editor of Raw Story. See how I got that right the second time I tried it? Um, that's called professional <laughs> broadcasting right there. Sarah Burris, always great to have you. Love you. We'll get you back here real soon. I'm what you might call very good at hide and seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found you. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All right, Sarah Burris, gotta love her. Hey, by the way, I'm going to be on News Nation on election night all night from 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. So I'll be on there. I mean, I won't be hosting. I'll be, you know, one of the analysts talking about what's going on in the election. Should be fun. Uh, So check that out. Check your local listings for News Nation. You have it if you have cable. Uh, and, uh, you can get it on all of the streaming services, I believe. So check it out. You'll find it. You'll enjoy it. I'll be on there. Uh, I'm also doing Fox. Just follow me on Twitter at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. Christopher Hahn NY on Instagram, uh, is where I'm at. So, all right, this is it. One week to go. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, less than a week, any other day you're listening to this, maybe it's over if you're a week behind. You got to get to work. Don't let anybody tell you, oh, all the early votes already in. No, 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 no. A lot of people are going to vote on election day, including a lot of Democrats like myself. I vote on election day. Um, I, I don't know why I could vote early in New York State. It's, for me, it's more convenient to vote on election day. And I have a routine. I do. It's a whole thing. I'm not going to get into it, but <laughs> I'll be voting on election day. We can win these elections. We can win these elections if we show up. And, and frankly, don't believe this media narrative that the, the, the ball has turned so much for Republicans. They're talking about how the ball has turned so much. And then you look at a poll in Wisconsin and Ron Johnson, who's been in the Senate now for 12 years, has a one-point lead over a guy who's 35 years old. How old does that make him when, you know, when he started? 22? 23? Sorry, no. Somebody did the math for me. Uh, Yeah, 22. The guy was just getting out of college when Ron Johnson got elected. He's the lieutenant governor of the state of Wisconsin now. And I think he's going to beat Ron Johnson, quite frankly. I think that's going to be the surprise of the night. Mandela Barnes is going to win. Now, I hope. 
Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I've been talking to Sarah Burris. You heard the interview. Um, she has been looking into young voters and she is hearing good things about young voters on the ground in Wisconsin from the WI Democrats. So let's see what happens there. Pennsylvania, like I said, he's going to get carried over, but get on the phones in Pennsylvania. Shapiro needs your help. Fetterman needs your help. And then of course, we will have a nice couple of weeks of a runoff election. Now, you know, here in New York, where I live, the Republicans think they have a chance. They do not have a chance. Okay? Let me be very clear. Uh, it, it's going to be closer than it's been in years, but the Democratic candidate, Kathy Hochul, is still going to win by six to eight points. Now, the way a Republican wins in New York is you catch Democrats sleeping. Two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, there was a poll that came out that had uh, the Republican challengers, Lee Zeldin, a congressman from Long Island, within three points. I thought it was four points. It was a pretty weak poll because it only had 37% of the respondents affiliated with the Democratic Party. And in gubernatorial years here in New York State, between 45 and 51% of the electorate is Democratic. Democrats outnumber Republicans two to one. Republicans aren't even second in enrollment in New York State. That would be people who are unaffiliated with either party. So let's just be very clear. It would take a miracle upon miracle for that to happen, and that is not happening. Might have been able to happen had they not been so loud about it, but they might have been able to sneak up on it. And quite frankly, if if Andrew Cuomo was in his going for his fourth term instead of being out, you might have caught him sleeping. Kathy Ogle never got elected before, so I find it hard to believe that she's sleeping, and I, from what I've seen in this state, she's not. Um, a lot of enthusiasm uh, among Republicans in New York State. Good candidate uh, on the GOP side. You know, I'm not going to mince words about it. I'm not going to you know, play partisan politics. Let me just call X's and O's and balls and strikes here. He's a good candidate. She's worked harder. The advantage is to the Dems in New York State no matter what. And uh, New York City City is a huge part of, of the electorate here. Republican needs to get about 35% in New York State, which shouldn't be a lot, right? You would think that they would get that, but New York State is overwhelmingly Democratic. New York City, that is, is overwhelmingly Democratic. And, you know, two years ago, a year ago, and I think what was a better year for Republicans, I think that uh, 2021, and we'll see it next week, 2021 was a great year for Republicans. Uh, they, you know, Glenn Youngkin down in Virginia, uh, you know, they won county races that they didn't expect to win, local races they were winning all over the place. In New York City, a very popular person who I do a radio show with from time to time, Curtis Lewa, got 27.5% of the vote in New York City. Uh, and I think last year was a better year. And I think he was much more known than uh, Zeldin, at least in New York City, among uh, registered Republicans in New York City. Uh, Zeldin didn't win the primary in New York City. He he came in second in the New York. He won the primary statewide pretty handily, but he came in second in New York City to Andrew Giuliani, the son of the former mayor. So we'll see what happens in New York State. Uh, two good candidates, two great campaigns, but New York... Uh, you know, Democrats now are wide awake, freaking out, uh, calling everybody. I've never seen so much activity around a gubernatorial election. And I've been around my first campaign in my life. 
big time campaign. I wound up managing a state Senate campaign, but I started the 1994 um, campaign year working as a volunteer on Mario Cuomo's ill-fated fourth attempt to be reelected governor of the state of New York. Fourth terms kill uh, everybody. I mean, third terms kill him. And I think, quite frankly, if, if we were looking at Andrew Giuliani, uh, Andrew Giuliani, Andrew Cuomo going for a fourth term, I might be, I might have a different assessment of what's going on in New York right now because people just get annoyed with you after four term. You know, executives have to make decisions and after 12 years, you've pretty much ticked off everybody, your friends, your enemies, everybody. And they just want to change, which is how Mario Cuomo, who I think was a very good governor, lost to George Pataki in 2000, excuse me, 1994, the year I got out of college and my first campaign. So, but around the rest of the country, uh, again, don't believe the hype. This is going to be a close election. Uh, you know, Republicans think they're headed for a shellacking uh, of Democrats. That's just not the case. And don't tell me a 20-seat pickup in the House is a lot shellacking. It's not. So we'll see. So get to work. Find a campaign. Make some calls. Donate if you can. Donate your time at the very least. And uh, don't forget to vote yourself and tell everybody you know to get out and vote. All right. I want to remind you now, as I always do, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there. I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I'm what you might call very good at hide and seek. And since we got Xfinity... We have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found you. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.